We are ending our series today on loveology, which is the study of love and the study of the author of love. And man, I have really enjoyed um, the last couple of weeks. We've talked about um, what some might consider some hard subjects, but uh, I love looking through things through the lens of the Word of God. And uh, today's not going to be any different. It's going to be one of those uh, teachings where uh, I, I'll say this to start off the teaching. Well, first, let me introduce my better half. Uh, Denise is up here with me today, and she's going to help me bring the message. Um, it's, it's interesting. Just like this, I think this half clapped, and this half did not applause at all. This is my favorite half. Yeah. <laughs> no joke, that happened in the first service as well, and it was almost like people just automatically picked sides. And uh, how many uh, I'm bringing the message today. This side looks so good. <laughs> wow. Words of affirmation. It's incredible. Um, and uh, t today is, is no different. Um, we're going to be talking today about gender, uh, gender identity, but also gender roles within the context of marriage, which we defined um, uh, a couple of weeks ago where uh, uh, what is marriage for? And so we define marriage not by a definition, but by defining what's the purpose of marriage. And so uh, I'm excited about today. It was one of those things where it takes a, a little bit of study and, and making sure we communicate things the right way. But I'm actually excited for everybody that's in here today to hear the truth that I believe we have for you. We're going to start from like the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. We have been in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2 a lot uh, over this series because the beginning of love and the creation of marriage happened in the very, very beginning. And we find out even with identity, identity is at the very, very beginning of creation. And so let's look at it. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. You following along with me here? Here we go. So God created human beings. There it is. He created human beings, but how did he do it? Well, he created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So uh, how many of you, you would agree there's a difference between being a man and a woman? Okay, and all, yeah, all of the husbands and wives immediately put their hands up and said, absolutely, there's 100% a difference. And uh, uh, the, the thing that we need to look at first and foremost is this. From the very beginning, there is something that makes us equal. And we're going to look at a couple of things that make us equal. And the first thing is we were both made in the image of God. So when God created human beings from the very beginning, he said, male and female, I'm going to create them. They will be different, but they are both going to share my image. That's good. And then another thing it shares or we share is the purpose that God gave us. And so we did talk two weeks ago about it in a marriage and what our roles are within the marriage as far as, or what the purpose of a marriage is. Um, but if we look in Genesis 1, 26, the purpose that the Lord has given us, uh, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So one of the things that he gave us is to take care of um, what he created. 
You're going to talk about the fish, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I threw her off in the first service because it wasn't in the script. And uh, another way that Denise and I are different is I like to just do whatever I want. And if the script's there, great. That's a suggestion, and we're just gonna we're just gonna have fun with it. And uh, I threw her off last uh, last time with just kind of jumping in there. I went, oh, that's kind of neat. So the purpose is um, the, to rule over God's creation. So this is like the biblical part. And by the way, that word rule, I think it's important for us to remember. Uh, if you were here the last couple of weeks, that rule means to serve. So the way that we rule God's creation is we serve. And we are to better it. And, and we're going to look at that in more in just a minute. But it says rule over, what's the very first thing, guys? It says rule over what? The, the fish, which means fishing is an important part of being a human being. And we actually have a funny story about um, that we won't tell that when we first got married, um, I was like, hey, you want to go fishing? We went fishing. And she said, man, that was a lot of fun. She was lying to me. No, I did love fishing. So I grew up going camping once a year in Sequoia um, out in California. And I loved fishing once a year. <laughs> and then we got married and it was, let's go fishing every well, you said day. You, you said you liked it. <laughs> She went, oh, I really like that. And I was like, sweet. So every day I was taking around. After a week of it, she's like, baby, I don't want to fish ever again at all. And her idea of fishing is putting bait on maybe on the hook. And then she could care less if she catches anything. I'm there. I'm ready I'm to happy. catch dinner. I'm going to put it on the table. I'm going to provide for our family. And uh, um, anyway. All right, moving on. As that has nothing to do with the message. No, so image of God and then to rule and fill the earth, yeah. which last week we talked about filling the earth. And then let's continue. Yeah, so we are unique in a lot of ways too, right? Um, we all raised our hand pretty quickly that we are um, a very different. Men and women are different. Um, we're, we know that we're different biologically. Uh, when I was born, I was born a male and Denise was born a female. And so, yes, difference in, bi in biologically, but the same equal in the fact that we were given the same purpose. In fact, when we look at Adam, when he's created, um, God says the first time he ever says not good, he goes, created Adam, this is not good. I'm going to give him a help meet to do the purpose in which I gave him. And so men and women are to do the purpose of God together and they are equal in value to God's purpose equal also in the fact that they are made in the image of God. Um, the other thing that we all share in uh, common, and this is not like necessarily a fun one, but we all sh share in common that we're both fallen and we're both broken. Um, we say often to couples that we will counsel going through marriage counseling, they'll say, we have a marriage problem. And we'll say, no, you don't have a marriage problem. You have a people problem. You're a person and you're fallen and we all have life that is messy and we bring our personal problems into marriage. And so therefore we have marriage problems because we have person problems. So we're all fallen and, 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 and we'll get into this in just a moment, but men, uh, part of our fallenness, we were given to toil in work and then women would have pain in childbirth. And so there's some differences also within the sexes. Um, uh, by the way, I, I want to I wanna say this before we go any further as well. If you can throw that quote up on the screen by John Mark Comer, wherever the good news has gone, it has always elevated the role of women. And so I think an important thing for us to even start with is that wherever the good news have go has gone, 
it has always elevated the role of women. Jesus was a whole millennia ahead of his time in the elevation of the role of women. Women were an important part. In fact, they were the very first ones given the good news after he had risen from the dead to go proclaim the good news to the rest of everybody else that Jesus had risen. And that would have been a very upside down thing to do culturally at that time to let women be the one to speak for the master. And so Jesus has always elevated the role of women. And as we see the good news that has always happened over, um, uh, uh, over time, uh, Jesus even had, he had women that studied under him as well. And like I said, the first proclaimers. Yeah. And I love that we're going to dive into what does that look like in a marriage though? Like as far as like our roles, and we'll get into that here in a little bit, but if we're honest with ourselves, so many times our upbringing or our cultures or our life experiences have really shaped what we think is the role of a woman or the role of a man or um, traditions. And so when we got married, I came in with an idea of what that looked like for me and, and what I, just my ideas and my thoughts, but we need to go back to scripture. And um, you know, like for women, there's so many, you know, are you more of a woman if you have more kids? Or are you more of a woman if you had kids and you had an epidural? Or is that less of a woman, you know, like that? Or um, if you bake, I wanna bake, I don't. But if you bake, I'll eat it. <laughs> um, so, so many times, you know, just our ideas of what makes somebody more of a woman. Is it if she's like a boss babe and has her business and, um, you know, professional woman? Or is it on- Some people would even like look at that and say, that's less of a woman because they'd be comparing it to something else or too. Our, our, yeah, depending on culture or what you already have, um, like an idea already about that. Or even in our looks, for example, like is somebody that looks a certain way, are they more of a woman than somebody else? Is longer hair, shorter hair? I mean, so many factors that can, um, you know, shape what we think about that. And that's why it is so important to go and see what does the Bible say about that? And as we look into these verses, I just, for the women in here, I pray that you would open, you know, your heart to receive when, the, when we read, you know, the scripture. And it's not a buffet where we can come and just get the verses that we like and move away the verses that we don't like. We need to look um, at all of the scripture. Yeah, looking at in context and then, and then men, uh, this was always uh, interesting to me where uh, we put a certain definition also on masculinity that is not a biblical definition. And you have different, uh, m different men that, that uh, may define manliness in a different way. Uh, I was told this uh, growing up as a kid, uh, don't cry, right? But then how do you compare that to uh, the shortest verse in, in God's word, Jesus wept? And so is it manly for a man to cry? Uh, is being a man being the James Bond 007, you know, type of guy that, that is the, you know, the womanizer who can get all the girls and, and dress, dress up, right? I hope not, because uh, that's not me. Uh, is it a guy that can work on his truck? Uh, what about a guy that can't be a mechanic? Does that make him less manly? Uh, is it, you know, the, the, the power mogul, you know, suit-wearing, self-made man? Does that make someone more manly? Um, I looked this up on Google, typed it, I was like, I wonder if there's like a, a, something that says that there's the most manly city in America. And they actually have on a website the top 50. Is it Fishers? 
It's not. Uh, the most manly city, you ready for it? Number one city, to, if, if you want to be a man, is this, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, you ready? You ready for this? Based, uh, and by the way, Indianapolis, we were number nine, okay? So we got a little work to do. Um, we were number 12 uh, seven years ago, then I moved up here. Um, <laughs> this, was the, this is the criteria, you ready for this? This is the criteria that was used to make the most manly city. Uh, Sports, the number of professional and major league sports teams in the city, uh, manly lifestyle, meaning the number of US made cars and full size pickups registered in the city, <laughs> membership in motorcycle owner groups, sports TV viewing, bowling, I knew this would be in here, fishing, <laughs> hunting, woodworking, and home improvement stores like Lowe's, Ace, and Home Depot. Other retail stores, including barbecue and ching, chicken wing restaurants, steakhouses and sports bars, uh, manly magazine subscriptions. And, and some of these, I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is about being a man. Maxim and Playboy, men's health, popular mechanics, sports illustrated car and driver. And then last was the amount of salty snack sales. I don't know what that had to do with anything. And, and, and as humorous that is, 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 that, is that it? Is that how we dis define masculinity? What about David in the Bible who wrote psalms and poems? What about men that are more into the arts? Is a, is, a, is a student pastor who plays games more manly than the worship pastor? Probably. <laughs> Just kidding. What defines being a man? What's important here is for us to remember not to take our cultural biasness or the way that we're raised, even religiously, and apply non-scripture to a definition of something that is ultimately important. Enforcing these constructs, and by the way, on the other side, you have a world that is trying to destroy masculinity, and they're trying to destroy femininity, and they want there to be no difference between the sexes at all. And we're all equal in everything. And we all are the same in everything. And that is not true either. So what does the Bible have to say about the roles? I think the best way for us to go about this is actually to go into um, the, very, um, the very beginning of the roles within the marriage. Now, it's important also for us to remember this, that what we're going to mostly talk about is uh, the man's role in a marriage and the women's role in a marriage. And a lot of this does not apply outside of marriage. Um, there's nothing in the Bible that says a woman can't be the CEO of an organization. And there's nothing in the Bible that says a woman can't be the president of the United States. In fact, oftentimes we see in scripture, God elevate women out of the cultural norm at the time to lead men. It's in the Bible. And so uh, as we see that, that's also not to say that women are supposed to be the ones leading men outside of the marriage. Um, and so we, we come to marriage roles and we go, okay, so who does the finances? Who washes the dishes? Did you point at me? No, no, I was just pointing. <laughs> I was pointing at you. It's your turn to talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, just anything. It could be with finances or how we raise our kids or who cleans, who does the laundry. 
Oh my No, keep going. Goodness. No, I'm saying keep going, baby. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think another one, uh, this is my favorite one, is what, do you, what happens when a couple disagrees on two things, who gets the deciding vote? And here's the thing. You ready? This is what the Bible says. Absolutely nothing. The man doesn't get the final vote and the woman doesn't get the final vote. So how do you make those decisions? And I think this is very, very important for us to, as we look at gender and the identities, to look at the overall arching thing of we are made in the image of God and God doesn't give preferential treatment to one gender or the other. Now, sometimes that gets confused, doesn't it? It gets confused, and I think a lot of times the confusing passage that people go to, there's one in, uh, in 1 Peter, but there's also one in the book of Ephesians where Paul does some pretty hefty writing. I love what Denise said, though. She said, remember, we can't just pick and choose what we're going to believe out of God's word, but oftentimes, and Satan does this so well, he takes God's definition flips it in society, and then we apply the worldly definition to something to the biblical worldview. And so uh, let's look at this passage, right? Some of you are like, I already know which one you're going to go to. I know it. I know it. But let's look at it, okay? Let's take away cultural bias. Let's take away maybe the way that we were taught and that foundation. We're a little, some, some of us in here were a little scared where Pastor Matt might be going right now. But let's just take a deep breath. I promise you both, both sides, not that there is a side, are going to be happy as we walk out of here this morning, okay? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and uh, we'll actually go through verse 25. 21 says this, Paul writes, and further, Denise is going to explain what was written before this in just a second. He says, and further, say that word with me, everybody, male and female in here today. Ready? One, two, three. Submit. Submit. <laughs> I try to say submit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the end further is so important because we're starting off in verse 21. But if we look at the scripture before that, it's teaching all of us to live a Holy Spirit led life, to allow Him to be the one to guide us, and then to live with gratitude, giving thanks to God. And then we go to verse 21 and further submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. And then in the next verse, uh, 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. And the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And going back to the, you know, what we saw about submit, giving preference one to another, it doesn't say you don't have an opinion. It doesn't say you lose your voice. It's um, being Holy Spirit-led. Those verses are so important and, and recognizing that that comes first. Yeah, in fact, I think, Wayne, I skipped over the glossary, didn't I? Uh, I was gonna set this up in the very beginning, but I'm, I'm gonna do this right now. Here, here's what's important for us to remember when it comes to language. Uh, and uh, we kind of use this as a, as a glossary as we go through this scripture. The head or the lead 
as some translations put, should be defined as this, the spiritual leader that submits and sacrifices like Jesus. We're gonna dive into that a little bit more and, and, and what that means within, even within uh, uh, being a, a Christ follower with others, but also within the marriage of what a spiritual leader is. And uh, the world would say that dominion or rule or submission means you're, you're putting your ideals and who you are and what you want using your power to squash someone else down to get what you desire. And that is not also when we get to the word submit, what submit means. Submit means you're giving preference or you're yielding to something. Okay, so with that being the glossary and we read through this and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ in verse 21, and then verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the body, uh, the savior of his body, the church and the church submits to Christ. So you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. So Paul starts with the wives and this is what he says. And then he gets to the husbands. Husbands, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Some of you just swallowed while you were trying to say, yeah, you went, okay. That's my favorite verse. Yeah, this one's going to be your favorite. It says for this, for husbands, in other words, what I just told you about the wives, let me tell you what it means. For husbands, this means love your wives. How? Because I, I feel affection towards my wife. I love her. She, she gives me the feels. I like seeing her and spending time with her and all the things that she does for me. But this is not what this word love means right here. He says, this means love your wives. And then he defines this type of love. He says, just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. And I know some husbands in here, you may be going like, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd die for my wife. I'd jump in front of a bullet or I, 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 would, I would do that. And this is not, what it's meaning, although it is meaning that, it's meaning you have self-sacrificial love. It means you sacrifice what you want for what she wants. So this word submission that you see in the Bible is not husbands, we get what we want. In fact, Paul defines it and says, this is what it means. It means the husband is going to give up his very desires for his wife and uplift her and serve her. And it's so interesting because if we think of um, years ago when Paul, when, you know, when Paul wrote this, the husbands loving their wives was, I mean, what do you mean with uh, like, like arranged marriages or, um, but now the men thinking, now you're calling me to love her? Like nowadays we think, oh yeah, you fall in love, you get married and of course he loves her. But if we're thinking of, man, that was a call to them. And then to wives, I feel like it's the opposite. Now, like nowadays, culturally, you hear the word submit and like a lot of women can struggle with that. Um, but verse 25 was controversial. Yeah, it was, it was very controversial. And it, men, we think of, like she said, the word love, we, we attribute that to affection. And this was a love that, yes, causes affection, but it's a self-sacrificial love, meaning even if your wife is not respecting you, your wife is not meeting your needs, your wife is not doing these things, then you're still supposed to lay down your needs and what you want for her, which is what Christ did for the church. So here's, here's the order. You ready? It's getting a little quiet in here. 
Okay, here's the order in which Paul lays all of this out so we can understand, and this is gonna turn into something beautiful in just a second. First, we submit to one another. First, the husband submits to the Lord. So here we go, husbands. You ready for this? If you are not submitting to the Lord, the whole thing breaks down. You want the respect of your family? You want the respect of your wife? You want the respect of your kids? You have to be submitting to the Lord. That means if you are not daily walking with God, if you are not daily asking what his preference is for your life and for your family, then this all breaks down from the very beginning and none of it works. Women would have a whole lot less trouble with that word submitting if we were submitting to the Lord and laying down our preferences. Then wife and husband, they submit to each other. But I thought it said, first starts with husbands and wives giving each other preference. Submit yourselves one to another. Then the husband leads spiritually. So once we got preferences out of the way and everyone's preferring one another, then the husband leads spiritually. Uh, then the wife, sub I love this one that when I wrote it, I'm like, this is probably gonna sound confusing, but I think it works. The wife submits to the Lord next by submitting to her husband as he submits to the Lord. And then lastly, the husband and wife submit to each other. So do so, so you notice a little common denominator in all of this? The word, there's a whole lot of submission going on. There's a whole lot of preferring one another. There's a process in here where we cleanse ourselves of what we want and what we desire and we lay it down for the good of what God wants. And this works in a beautiful picture and works in a beautiful process if we are following it to the degree that Paul uh, is putting here. So um, here's, what, here's what this verse is not saying, okay? And I, and I think this may help us all in here. Here's what this verse is not saying. Number one, it doesn't say in this passage or in any passage, husbands make your wives submit. If you got out of this today as a husband, you're walking out, you're going, all right, let's go. I'm gonna go home and I'm just gonna give my woman all the things that I need. I'm gonna say, I need a sandwich. And, and uh, yeah, some of you are like, oh, <laughs> Right? This is not what this means at all. It doesn't say husbands make your wives submit. Right, and for us wives, it doesn't say make, make your husbands lead spiritually or nag them until they do or talk to them until they do. Um, it's more, more, this passage is having us focus in on ourselves and not making the other person do what the, the Bible says. Yeah, so if you, if you are even like me sitting up here, whenever you hear something like this and, and I'm looking at a lot of your faces and you're going, I, got, I get what you're saying and, and I, even may, I even agree. I got some questions though. And here's probably why you have some questions because if you are married or if you're a person, other people are people and they sin and they're broken and they're not perfect. And so if everything worked perfectly, well, of course this is gonna work okay. But we live in a fallen world from the very beginning. And so in here today, we have marriages and we have people that are going, uh, this isn't working for me. And so I may have some questions. And so we came up with what we thought might be four questions that might be helpful 
to maybe settle some of this. And uh, uh, the last two will kind of give you two stories of, of Denise and I and kind of trying to live this out. But uh, first question, I wanted to put Denise right on the spot and just like let her answer. Um, I'm ready. You ready? Okay. So what do, what do you do when your husband is not leading, hypothetically, not leading spiritually? In your case, it might be hard for you to really think through this. And uh, think of, you know, if there ever was a time that this wasn't happening. Um, so actually, before I answer that, I was really thinking about, you know, those in this room, women who are single. I would encourage you, if you're dating somebody that you think you can't respect or you think you can't follow their leadership, I would say, like, don't get married to that person because it's going to cause a lot of heartache. And um, but for the women who... I was going to say you're stuck, but um, for the women, if you're married and you really have a longing to have your husband lead spiritually, remember, we're not talking about who does the dishes, who cleans, like that's, that's between you and your husband talking it out, like that, we can't find a verse for that. But when it comes to leading spiritually, um, I would encourage you to pray, pray for your husband, and that is the most powerful thing you can do. Our words can't change um, our spouse. We can't change our spouse. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can do something in their hearts. And so if you're longing for that spiritual guidance, pray. First Peter uh, chapter three is the first couple of verses is beautiful on this topic. And then I would also encourage you that while you're praying, you know, there's nothing wrong with communicating. Um, if you're wanting to go to church together or, or um, maybe pray as a family, but once you communicate, there's that fine kind of line between communicating and then that nagging part that we don't want to lean into. But I would encourage you to lead gently. So what I mean by that is especially those that have uh, kids in the home and you're longing for your husband to be the one to lead the you know, spiritual devotions or pray as a family, nothing can, has to hold you back from you being the one that's talking about your God to those kids. Um, nothing, you know, when you're tucking them in at, at night, pray with them, talk to them about God, um, encourage those spiritual, um, anything spiritual in their life, and you're going to make a huge difference. And I feel like I, that goes to like encouraging single mamas in this, in this room. You're a single, single parent, single mom. Um, I am here today by the grace of God but also because an amazing mom that got herself in the word that said, I'm gonna take my daughter to church and I want her to know Jesus. I can sing that, that second song we sang today is so beautiful uh, about the goodness of God. My mom introduced me to Jesus and he changed my life. And so as you're desiring this in your marriage, continue to pray for your husband and let the Lord work and then gently lead your kids. And then a key part in this also is using our words wisely. You know, as we're doing it with the right spirit, you know, we're opening the Bible with our kids. Yeah, because your dad doesn't do it. I'm gonna, like, we're just hurting um, our, our husbands if we do that. We're just hurting uh, their respect in our children's eyes. And so with the right heart, open God's word with your kids. Um, teach them to pray. And then watch 
what God can do. I, I wish I can say, hey, if you do this after a week, after a year, I don't know. Time to us, you know, we go everything by time. If you're a planner like me, I like time. I like to know what's happening. But with God, you know, his ways are not our ways. You do your part of praying and then gently guide. Yes, his relationship with God does affect me. It could, but my relationship with God does not depend on my husband. I can have a walk with the Lord. Yeah, I think another uh, thing to think of too, and, and, and I say this out of experience from, from counseling couples and, and, and talking to marriages that uh, actually will actually start to heal and mend. And then the, the woman has a hard time allowing that man to come back into that role of spiritually leading after maybe he lost the ability to do that because he wasn't living spiritually. And that may be tough, um, but if you can allow him to do that, you'll watch some incredible healing. And, I, and it takes trust, right? Because once trust is broken or trust is hurt, it takes time to mend that and to heal that. But yeah, that was good. All right, I have a question for you. Oh, what is it? I'm sorry, that was funny. Um, what do, okay, so what does a man do if their wife is not submitting? It's a good question, right? And all the men just went, uh, like, what do we do? And here's the thing. The reason why that question makes you uncomfortable is because the question should make you uncomfortable. If we're thinking to ourselves, I have an expectation that my wife should be submitting to me, then you probably means you don't know the definition of submit and we probably haven't learned the definition of lead yet. And so if your wife is not submitting, what I would tell you is this. In other words, if she's not giving preference, if she's not yielding to spiritual leadership, this is how Christ did this for the church. You ready? He served the church. He loved the church. He was self-sacrificial. So if your wife is not following spiritual leadership that you are presenting, the way that you fix that is you continue to serve her. You continue to give preference. You continue to love. And we saw this with Jesus. We saw this even with his disciples as they weren't getting it. Instead of just telling them, this is what you have to do, he washed their feet. Guys, here, here's the thing. It starts with you. If you are loving the right way, I believe that women would have a whole lot less of a hard time with even the concept of giving preference and yielding because they wouldn't be yielding or giving preference to you. They'd be yielding, giving preference to the Lord as he leads you. And so if we are following the Lord, it makes it a whole lot easier. Now we live in a broken world. And so there are times that may be happening and still that leadership is not being followed. But God never commands man to demand any type of yielding. He commands you to serve. And that, by the way, is how we build the kingdom of God, even outside of the realm of marriage, is the way that you will change the world is not by demanding people on Facebook agree with your values and your systems and your views. You do it by serving them. Sometimes we're hard to serve. Never. <laughs> so has there been a time where it has been a little bit more challenging to lead me spiritually? So we're going to get personal here and share, you know. Yeah, I'm just wondering if when we go home, this is going to be held against me. So <laughs> no, um, 
can, can you tell me a time that it was hard to lead spiritually? I would say any time that it's been hard for me to lead spiritually was a me issue. It's not really been a Denise issue. It's been where I've had pride or I really want my way. And so uh, I'll give you one kind of, I guess maybe a little like humorous example, but uh, about a year and a half ago, Denise was for the first time uh, on stage here and did the women's event and spoke. And I was sitting all the way in the back, kind of slipped in the back and was actually, I think, sitting on like the steps over there. And she did such an incredible job. I mean, it was unbelievable. She knocked it out of the park. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa. And then while I was admiring her doing this, my insecurity kicked in for a little bit. And I went, she's better than me. Oh my goodness. And, and I went, uh, I don't know if I, I mean, I like it, but I kind of, I, I don't know if I like it. I, I, don't, I don't know if it'd be hard for me to lead spiritually when I feel like in this area, she's better than me. And so what happens is uh, men, sometimes we, as we view culturally or non-biblically the role of a woman, and if she's better than us in an area, or she's out leading us in an area, or she's uh, maybe the breadwinner in the home, you go, oh man, how do I lead spiritually? We're not getting the definition of what leading spiritually is. Uh, it should never be difficult. Well, it may be difficult because of my own pride, but it shouldn't be difficult if I'm living a life that is aligned with Christ and spiritually led to serve her and to uplift her. And so my role in that time was to go, man, she's awesome. I need to encourage her. I need to help resource her with, if this is her gifting, to help her get more opportunities to lean into that gifting. And so, uh, men, if it's hard for you to lead spiritually, it also might be because you've lost some respect in your home. Um, I'll say this. I've said this a couple times before. Um, anger is how we lose respect in our family the quickest. We can lead well for years and years and years and it, all it takes is one time blowing off some steam, losing our temper, using our physical biology because we are physically more, than, uh, more times than not stronger. And what we do is we end up, ow. Um, <laughs> we end up losing the respect in our home and so we lose the equity to be able to lead. And so sometimes that where it's been hard for me to lead spiritually has also been because I've lost some respect within my home from the way that I have acted. And I've actually needed Denise to be able to say, you're still in that position. I love you, you're human. And the beautiful thing then of forgiveness. And so again, in a marriage, it takes, it takes this kind of circular motion of everybody preferring one another and forgiving. So, okay, I'll ask you a question. We end in with this question, guys. We got one minute here. Uh, can you tell me about a time that it was hard to submit? One minute, time's up, we gotta go. <laughs> oh, it's true, like literally no. just the I timer think, went down. Okay, if I'm being just honest, I think it depends on how I'm feeling that day. <laughs> no? Just, yeah, no, I think um, it, that's the way How will I feel? It always no, works. For, <laughs> um, it really, if I'm checking my heart and asking God to show me, it really is a me problem. And it might sound like there's no magic something that we can say. I wish we can kind of point it to the other person, but scripture constantly has us checking our, like, our heart and um, submitting to the Lord, having the Holy Spirit work in us. So whenever it's hard for me to submit, it's been my pride because I'm kind of hard-headed. 
I'm, you know, I like, <laughs> I like things Man, my I'm, way a lot I of times. I think time. I'm more uncomfortable than you guys are. are. You? No, you're yeah, not just... hard-headed. No, I, and, and I want to say this, that Denise is a very strong woman. And I think that intimidated me when we first got married. I was like, man, this girl's like really strong, like, like hard-headed. And, and I, I know we use that word hard-headed, but, I, but women, you do not have to apologize for the personality that God gave you. And many of you, you were designed in a way to lead and to be strong in your leadership and to be strong in who you are. Um, and I believe there's actually strength, by the way, in, in someone that's not a person that's going to be more outspoken. Uh, Denise would be more outspoken than, than some. But tell us about, I, I think a good... So it is pride for sure in my life. And those small incidents, I can't like, you know, point my finger at it. But it really is when um, I let my pride get in the way or my heart's just not right with the Lord. And then the time that like a big situation where we uprooted our family to come here... I think this story kind of personifies all of it. That was yeah. hard because sometimes we think that submit, um, if we're having a hard time with that, that it's because it's a negative thing. Sometimes you, you have a great idea or you've talked together. It's coming out of a good heart. So before we moved here eight years ago, Matt and I had already talked about, he was working at a church somewhere else and on staff and we were dreaming together and saying, man, I know the Lord has called you to this. I, I see those giftings. I'm his biggest cheerleader. And we thought the next step for our family was for him to go plant a church. And then Indiana popped up and coming here on staff, not as a lead pastor role. And so when he brought that to me and said, I'm really praying about this possible move, that was it was hard for me because I wasn't expecting it. I thought, well, I thought we had talked about something different and I see the giftings. Like I wanted to encourage him to jump into that right away. Yet it wasn't the Lord's timing. And as he followed God and was praying and invited me to, to have those conversations, he, I knew that he loved me so much that if I said, no, I'm not, I don't, I really don't feel like moving that he wouldn't have moved, we wouldn't have moved. But then I knew that I would be disobedient to what God was calling um, our family to do. Yeah, and I think the reason why this story um, really works well with everything that we're talking about is, is, is this. Um, I didn't come to Denise and say, hey, the Lord told me this, therefore we are moving. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> the thistles are moving to Indianapolis and we are going to be moving and I'm the head of the house. And so therefore submission, that is, that would not have, first of all, that would not have worked well. Second of all, what I did is I brought to her what I believed the Lord was telling me. Whenever we say, this is what the Lord's telling me, usually we're using that statement to get what we want. We're not being sub submissive to the Holy Spirit. And so when we're submissive to God and we're submissive to the Holy Spirit, we lay down our preference. And I said, Denise, I believe this is what the Lord may be leading us to do. But I know as a husband that the only way the Lord is leading us to do that, if he's also leading her to do it. And so I went into the scary moment thinking, I, I'm pretty sure this is what God wants. But I laid down my preference, even though I was pretty sure. And I said, hey, what do you think? She said, let me pray about it. She took a couple of weeks, which was like 
terrifying to me, right? Because now it's in her hands. What if she comes back and says no? Well, if she comes back and says no, and she's believing the same Holy Spirit and, and, and submitting to the same God that I'm submitting to, then of course it's not going to be what God wants, or at least not in the timing that he wants. And so here's the beautiful thing about marriages where the man is submitting to the Lord, the wife is submitting to the Lord, the husband is spiritually leading, the wife is yielding to that leadership. Then what it ends up is no one really made that decision. That wasn't my decision. It wasn't Denise's decision. It was God's decision. He led us to come here. And by the way, it was for a position that was going to be, humanly speaking, a step down from even where I was. So she was thinking of out of protection of me going, man, you don't want to take a step down in your career. You want to take a step up in your career. She was actually wanting to lift me up. And I'm going, babe, I know that it doesn't make human sense, but this is what I believe God wants. Would you think about it? Would you pray about it? She came back to me. She says, hey, I've thought about it since we have the same God that we both serve. He spoke to me as well. And he said, yeah, let's do it. And so we were able to do this beautiful thing where we were both on the same page because we were both submitting to each other and submitting to God. And I was loving and willing to self-sacrifice even if it wasn't something that she wanted to do. And I knew, I mean, I just knew that if, that I was gonna be disobedient to God if, if um, I didn't say, yeah, I, the Lord has given me peace about this too. Um, and that's just another thing about marriages is that God might call you in your marriage to a purpose or to do something. And most of the time, the world will not understand. Your family will not understand. Your friends will not understand. Um, and a lot of times the fear of what people thought, that can sometimes hold me back of following God's leading. And what a beautiful, like there's things that God will call your marriage to that nobody will understand, but you know you're being obedient. And then I, I'm so thankful that I live here. I mean, now I never want to move. So, <laughs> but um, God is oh, just so good. I have to good. tell you. <laughs> no, God is so good. And you know, what a beautiful picture as we're obedient to what the order, the order that the Lord has given us in this role of marriage and what a light we can be, our marriages can be. It's, you know, allowing obedience to him, um, not to make us look good, not for that hashtag that you want to post. It's more to be a light for Jesus and what a difference we can make. Um, and for our kids too, when they can see that, uh, oh, I mean, women, we have the key to really build up our husbands. And Proverbs talks about how the tongue, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. And so I encourage us as, you know, our part, the women, seek the Lord Let's submit to him, submitting to one another, and the Lord will work in our husband's heart. Awesome. Hey, let's do this. Let's stand together. We're going to end. And I'm going to give you two last steps. If you're a guy in here, we'll roll this after um, Cody comes up here and dismisses. But uh, if you'll throw up that first screen, um, uh, Kingdom Man by Tony Evans is uh, kind of what we talked about, but a whole lot better and in a lot more depth. I promise you, great book if you're a guy in here. Um, that QR code leads you to an Amazon link. It's like $9 or $10. I think it's really, really cheap. It's been a book that's been around for a while. Uh, I've led a men's small group where we've gone through this book before. It's awesome. And then um, next one is Tony Evans' Kingdom Woman, also written with one of his daughters, uh, Crystal Evans Hurst. And another great book. We'll have these rolling um, at the end of the service where you can get the Amazon link to it. Let's pray and we'll dismiss. Um, thank you. 
for going on this journey with me for the last four weeks. Father, thank you so much for what you have done in here this morning. And uh, Father, I pray uh, above all that we would be in submission to you. Uh, I pray that for the marriages that are in here this morning, that there, there's fear on one side or the other of being obedient to the scripture. I pray that you would give the faith that is required to take that next step forward. And would we always be pursuing you in Jesus' name? Amen.